friends and introverts. Welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. This week is part two of the deep dive of this absolutely wild season of Love is Blind. It's Love is Blind season three. Just a heads up, just like the first episode of this series, this episode is full of spoilers. So if you have not finished Love is Blind yet, You should have done so last week and listened last week, but if not, go watch the show, finish it, then come back for this episode and last week's episode. And just to say it right up top, just FYI, everything I say is, of course, just my opinion. These people on Love is Blind are real people. They are not characters. I'm just offering my opinion on what I was shown on a reality TV show on Netflix. Okay? Okay. Before we get into the episode this week. Let's do our customary mental health check. We're going to rate our mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. I think I'm at like a four this week. Um, Today, my husband and I drove our new car down to Kima, which is like an hour and a half drive. We had lunch, we walked around, and then we came back. And it was just like a nice little day trip kind of thing for us. I really love just spending time just he and I just getting time to connect and everything like that. So that's, it's been a really nice day, actually. Um, And my dog is at PetSmart, which he loves. He loves their day camp. He loves the Pets Hotel. They love him there. So he's having a great time. But we just wanted a weekend where we could just do whatever we wanted to do and not worry about like, okay, well, we have to come back at this time to make sure hybrid is taken care of. So yeah, it's been, it's been a nice weekend. So I'm at about a four. This is also your opportunity to check in with yourself, see how you're actually doing, if you're feeling like a four like me, or if you're feeling like a two, a one, a three, a five, whatever. However you're feeling is perfectly okay, but it is important to honestly and authentically check in with yourself as much as possible, and if you forget to do it at least once a week with us here on the podcast. While you are thinking about that, I'm going to do our book, TV show, or movie of the week. I did skip it last week because I was intending for the whole episode to be just Love is Blind, but I'm not going to go two weeks without extra recommendations. So I'll give you a book this week. I am currently reading Sign Here by Claudia Lux. It is a phenomenal book. It is very dark, definitely for adults. But the concept is about this person who was sentenced to hell and now they're in hell trying to get out of hell. And there's also this other storyline of people on earth and the people on earth are related to the person that's in hell currently. I'm not 100% sure how they're going to collide. I'm only maybe 60% of the way through the book, but I'm really liking it. I like how the author wrote the book. I like the, the voice, the language used the imagery, it's all really good. And it feels like really fresh. It doesn't feel like a redo of Dante's Inferno or anything like that. It feels fresh. It feels new. It feels very exciting. So I I really like it. And I think you guys might too. It is, again, it's very dark. It is very much adult themed. They talk about sex, violence, self-harm, graphic violence. So if any of those things are going to bother you, this might not be the book for you. If you have kind of a stronger stomach like myself, this is actually a very good read and I highly recommend it. So 
with that being said, let's dive into my discussion this week on season three of Love is Blind. Last week, I talked about three couples. I talked about Nancy and Bartise. I talked about Colleen and Matt. And I talked about Alexa and Brennan. This week, I have two more couples to talk about. And I felt like I had too much to say to wrap it up in like a reasonable time because not everyone likes crazy, crazy long podcast episodes, but I have a lot to say, as you know. So this week, let's go ahead and start with Raven and SK. Raven, right off the bat, I was not a huge fan. She seemed, I don't even know what the right word for it was. So I'll just tell you the situation and then you tell me your read on, you know, what kind of person she might be. So she's talking to Bartiste, I think. I think it was Bartiste or it was Cole. Pretty sure it was Bartiste. And he's like pouring his heart out to her, like telling her something really important and personal to him. While he's doing that, she is doing jumping jacks. She's doing dips. She's doing like high knees, Pilates, whatever is going on on her side of the pod. And you can't actually see, right? It's not like a window between. It is a wall between, but they speak through the wall kind of. And the guy could obviously tell, like, she was not fully attentive. And she eventually found out that he could see kind of her shadow as she was doing jumping jacks. And it was just a real bad look. I didn't like it at all. It was really off-putting. And especially because, like, I understand people have different ways of focusing. Like, some people really need to fidget or they end up moving or whatever. Like, I'm the same way. I'm very much a fidgeter. Um, but I'm not doing a full workout when you're putting, like, pouring your heart out to me. That's not the appropriate time. And I need to be focusing my energy on the person talking to me. Raven obviously did not share my philosophy here. And it was, it was um, a very weird moment during the show because the guy she was talking to, like he could tell and she was like appropriately embarrassed when he calls her out. But it's also like he shouldn't have had to call you out for that, you know, like that kind of really rubbed me the wrong way. Like clearly you're not into this person. So Like, let's just end it. You know, you don't have to half listen while you do your jumping jacks. You can just say, like, I appreciate your time, but I don't think that there's a connection here. You don't need to tell me this part of yourself. And maybe that's really harsh, but I'm also someone who, like, compartmentalizes their feelings or intellectualizes their feelings. So I can identify a feeling and talk about it intellectually versus, like, it having an emotional impact and sometimes it's frustrating when someone's clearly experiencing something like she was experiencing boredom or whatever and dealt with it by being disrespectful instead of having a more blunt approach I don't know my approach isn't necessarily the right way but that's just how I would have handled it and I think it would have been at least somewhat better than having a full-on workout while someone is talking to me So that was my, like, one of the first impressions of Raven. She is a Pilates instructor. She's very fit. She's beautiful. But she seemed, like, kind of self-centered, maybe narcissistic or whatever, but just wasn't, you know, wasn't feeling, feeling the vibe with her. 
SK is a Nigerian man and he is, his patience is astounding to me. Uh, there wasn't really anything for him that really gave me a whole lot of pause. So when he proposes to her and he he's like pouring his heart out to her, I thought it spoke volumes that she wasn't doing her little workout routine. Like she was literally sitting on the couch in tears at what this man is telling her. And I don't know if it's just like she just had a connection with SK and did not with the other guy, but it was it was clear that there was something different about this relationship. And so even after they propose, they meet and whatever, Raven is a little bit more standoffish. SK is clearly very interested in her, very attracted to her when they meet physically, but he seems to be like a very respectful guy. Like he's like, you know, she'll come to me when she's ready, but I'm not going to be the dude to force it, which I think is very, I mean, also bare minimum, but like respectful nonetheless, you know? So they are pretty, pretty low drama, but some things that Raven says to this man really threw me off, especially at first. So SK was planning to go to grad school. They're in Dallas for the show, and that's where the majority of them live. SK is planning to go to California for his grad school, literally right after the wedding, like after we get married, like I gotta go, and he's gonna be in grad school for two years. Raven is like, okay, well that kind of sucks, but I'm not willing to move, and I think that while you're gone, you should pay for half my rent. And I'm like, huh? Because dude is not going to be living with you. So why should he pay half your rent plus 100% of the rent that he's paying in California? And she said something along the lines of like, I don't want my quality of life to suffer. I'm like, girl, your husband is going to grad school. Like his quality of life is suffering too. And you're expecting him to break his back to pay half your rent because it's not that you wanted your quality of life to stay the same. You actually wanted to come out ahead financially. And that was just like, huh? Like, what, <laughs> what is happening here? I didn't love that. And she, I mean, it was just giving me bad vibes, to be honest. And I also will say that, like, the coming up on Love is Blind little packages before the next batch of episodes drops is very unkind to people because they showed a snippet of Raven meeting SK's mother and SK's mother is Nigerian and very traditional and Nigerian food typically at least what they showed is eaten with your hands like he was showing her how to eat and they had they like edited it so that Raven looked hella disrespectful when she's like well can I just eat with a fork and then the, they like cut to the mother's face, cut to SK's face, and then they cut it, like cut the thing off. And for me, I don't, I don't think that I would have asked that. I think I would have just eaten it how everyone else is eating it. I'm not as strong a personality as Raven clearly is. But yeah, for me, 100% would have just eaten with my hands. I usually eat my Indian food with my hands anyway. So it really wouldn't have been that big of a thing for me. Anyway, so when they finally show Raven meeting SK's mom, it didn't go that way. 
right? Okay, so Raven does ask, like, can I still eat it with a fork? And his mother's like, yeah, sure, you can eat it however you want to eat it. Like, it wasn't as big of a deal as they made it sound, which, so rude, so rude that they made it into this whole thing. But that's the job of an editor, right? To make it look a certain way. So, all of that to say, when Raven met SK's mom, it was a little bit awkward because his mom was asking about her family and she said that her family would not be coming to the wedding and she was cool with it. But SK and his family were concerned about her family's lack of involvement because family is very important in Nigerian culture. So before, like days before the wedding, Raven and SK are having this conversation and SK is voicing these concerns again about her family not being there. And Raven's like, I don't know what you want me to do about it. Like, they're not going to be there. I'm going to be there, but, like, I can't force them to do something they don't want to do. And it, it appears that he drops it. But that was, like, the only kind of, like, fight or whatever that they had. They've had, like, minor disagreements or whatever, but that was the only thing where SK was like, well, I really don't like this. And then she explained to him, like, I don't know what you want me to do. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess you're right. So fast forward to the wedding. Raven has agreed to wear a turban and a veil in white in addition to her white wedding dress. And it was like a marriage of Nigerian and American cultures, which I thought was perfect for their wedding. SK is wearing the traditional Nigerian garb for a man to get married in. And... SK's mom actually goes and helps Raven put on the turban and make sure everything looks nice and like helps her get ready. And I thought that was really sweet. Like it was as though SK's mom was saying like, I'm your mother. Like I'm here to help you and stand in for your family that isn't here. Like you're part of my family now kind of thing. She looked beautiful, by the way. Her outfit was honestly phenomenal. Looked so good. So anyway, moving right along, um, so we're at the altar, right? And then the officiant is like, do you take this woman to be your wife? And SK is like hesitating. And then he says, I do not. And when I tell you my jaw was on the floor, I thought if either of them was going to say no, it was going to be Raven because she had given the most pushback throughout this entire process. She had been kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. And like physically with him, she wasn't really initiating any physical contact kind of thing. So I thought if anyone is going to say no, it's going to be Raven, but it was SK. And even at the altar, he was like, it's not that I don't love you. I just don't think the timing is right. Right. And she's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. But like, you can see how badly she's hurt. Right. But even then, she's like, it's okay, it's okay, um, I'm gonna leave now. And he's like, okay. So she literally leaves the altar by herself and goes back to her little br bridal suite thing. SK's mom comes after her. And as a note, during the time that SK is hesitating on what he's gonna say, you they cut to his mom, who is mouthing the words, I do, I do, like telling him, like, say I do. <laughs> And he obviously does not say that. Raven leaves. SK's mom follows her. 
and is like, I'm so sorry that this happened and hugging her and Raven's like, it's okay, it's okay. So to Raven's credit, she handled it so, so well. Honestly, <laughs> better than I think that I would have in, in that situation. Um, yeah, I think I would have been crying immediately um, or said nothing at all and literally just walked away. But she was like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. So in the reunion, they do reveal that they are dating now, which is wonderful. The show was filmed, I think the weddings were in June 2021. So now it is November 2022. They've potentially been dating for about a year now. And they seem both really happy. Like they seem very comfortable in their relationship and like this is the path that's best for them. And I really appreciate that in reality shows because I think sometimes the contestants, as it were, get kind of caught up in what like the objective of the show is. Like we have to get married, we have to get married. But like marriage is a huge commitment. Like <laughs> you are legally bound to this person for the rest of your life. And if you're not sure, then don't do it. I feel the same with pretty much everything. If you're not sure if you want to get married, not sure if you want to be in a relationship, not sure if you want to have kids, not sure if you want to buy a house, all of these like milestone moments that are like expected in American culture at least, um, if you're not sure about it, do not do it. I can tell you from experience, owning a house, no joke, okay? I can't imagine having kids is a joke. I was speaking to one of my friends who just had a baby, um, I think two months ago, two or three months ago, and she's like, this is without a doubt the single hardest thing that I have ever done in my life. And if you're not 100% wanting a baby, like don't do it, you know? So I feel that way about all of these things. If you're not sure about it, don't do it, okay? And I do have to commend Raven and SK for like taking the path that's best for them. Okay, so now that we've talked about the the positives with Raven and SK, let's talk about Zenobit and Cole. Um, <laughs> this was truly, truly, in my opinion, the train wreck of the season. You could not look away from this thing. I, okay, so let's start back toward the beginning, okay? Cole and Zenob have this, like, very obvious emotional connection when they're in the pods. They get out of the pods, they meet for the first time after he proposes to her, and, like, they're both very happy with what they see, like, they're attracted to each other, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fast forward just a little bit to the faded pool party where Colleen and Cole were talking and Matt got really mad, if you remember from last week. If you didn't listen to last week, go back and do that. It is a lot. It's a lot to unpack. So during this same pool party, Cole said a thing he should not have said. And that is rating, like on a scale of one to 10, his girl, and then comparing his girl to somebody else. To sum it all up, he rated Zenob as a 9, and Colleen as a 10. Now, for my male listeners, don't do this. For my female listeners, 
and my non-binary listeners and everybody in between, do not do this. Do not rate your partner on a scale of 1 to 10 and definitely don't rate your partner if you're going to literally be comparing them to somebody else. It's, it's very damaging to the relationship, to your partner, to your partner's self-esteem, etc. And that one incident really set the tone for this entire relationship. But what's funny is that this kind of thing was not unexpected because the very first night that Zen and Cole spend together, they are in the same bed. I don't know if they were physically intimate. I don't remember if they specified. But I do remember Zenob specifying that Cole, the next morning, got out of bed, didn't say a word to her, and it was awkward. Okay? So, to me, as a woman, especially, like, after we've been together potentially for the first time, and at the very least we shared a bed for the first time, and you're not speaking to me, like, I am going to invent reasons why you're not speaking to me. You were disappointed. You were not attracted to me. You are having regrets. Like, there are no, there's no end to the list of reasons that I would make up versus just asking you what's wrong. So, the pool incident was not entirely unexpected because it seems like Cole's communication could use a little bit of work. I don't think that he is necessarily saying these things maliciously, but at the same time, I'm like, do you hear the words that you're saying? Do you hear it, you know? So, let us just give a brief overview of the relationship. We have the first night together. Obviously, not, you know, like the next morning was not ideal, okay? The pool party incident, not great. Zenob is also someone who really gets on top of people if things are not exactly how she wants. So she would like nag Cole, for example, about putting his towels on the floor, about his laundry, about how he seasoned chicken. Like it seemed like there was very little that this man could do correctly. And it started to just come across like you guys might not be a good match. And that's fine. Like it just happens sometimes. You have a good emotional connection, but maybe like your values or your communication styles are not lining up, whatever. So let's just go ahead and fast forward to the wedding, okay? There's, there's like a lot of drama and nagging and snipping. Actually, you know what? There's one more thing that I want to mention before we talk about the wedding. So this incident is shortly before the wedding and they're having like a verbal disagreement. This is the same night that Cole tried to cook for Zenob. His chicken was not seasoned how she would want. He wasn't cooking how she wanted it. It wasn't like just everything he was doing is not how she would have done it and she was upset about it. So they're talking and Cole is, is essentially like, I want a partner who's nice to me, which is kind of sad to say, you know, but it's also sad to to feel, you, you know what I mean? Like we've kind of all had 
like a friendship or a relationship where that person isn't exactly nice to you, but you just want them to be the person, you know? So as he's saying that, Zenob is coming back and sniping at him. And then Cole again, the foot in mouth syndrome with this man is truly unbelievable. He asks her if she's bipolar. Now, if this were phrased or worded in such a way that I could twist it into him being actually concerned for her mental health, I would do that. However, there is no appropriate time to ask someone if they're bipolar. That's, I mean, it's, it's just inappropriate. It's just mean. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like that he asked that. And it's like he asked it specifically just to hurt her. And I really don't like that. You know, like it wasn't like, babe, I'm concerned about your mental health. Like I'm concerned that there might be, you know, something wrong. I've done some research and whatever. Like, let's get you help or like that would be maybe not, (laughs) not the best, but certainly not as bad as what actually happened. So he asks her if she's bipolar and Zenob is like, goodbye. So literally she leaves the apartment. Cole chases after her. It's this whole like dramatic thing. She does come back and they literally do go to the altar. I honestly feel that there must be some contractual obligation for these people because like there's no way that they should have gone to the altar. This is not possible, you know? So they go to the altar and Cole seems excited. Zenob seems okay. Like it seems like they're going to say yes to each other. Um, that's not what happens. So Zenob says no when the officiant asks, will you take this man to be your husband? She also goes on to say, and I did find the quote, she says, The last two months have not been picture perfect. You have disrespected me. You have insulted me. You have critiqued me. And for what it's worth, you have single-handedly shattered my self-confidence. And I hate that you have had that kind of effect on me. When I tell you, I was floored floored by this speech at the altar, which is why I think that there must be some kind of contractual obligation to get up on that altar and answer yes or no. So Zenob says this, her friends applaud and she says, and I quote, is it ghetto that my friends clapped? I, I hate that her friends clapped for that. I don't think that it was appropriate even if everything that she said is true, which we don't know, right? Like we weren't given all of the context of every second of their relationship, but that's not a time to clap. If anything, it's a time to like swoop in and get your girl, get your friend to go anywhere else but there because clearly she doesn't want to be there, you know? So yeah, that happened. Cole is beside himself in tears. Zenob's stepmother, I believe it is, is talking to him and like consoling him saying it's okay. And because Cole's family did choose not to come and chose not to meet Zenob, just for the record. Cole is saying to her stepmother, like, I didn't mean to do that if I did it. I didn't mean to hurt her. I didn't know I hurt her. Stuff like that. And 
like I don't know okay I don't know okay so at that time I was I was feeling bad for Cole just to be perfectly honest I was feeling bad for Cole I wish that that didn't happen you know just just like that it's just like a gut punch you know you kind of have to feel bad for the guy anyway so let's talk about the reunion in which we are treated to Zenob's discussion on Cole's body shaming she said that he would push food away from her ask if she's going to eat that try to get her to order a salad making daily comments about her face and her body. She says that she stopped eating. She said on days when they were shooting, she would only eat a banana and a teaspoon of peanut butter to make sure she did not pass out during filming. And naturally, Cole denies this. What bugs me is kind of the the way that he denies this. At first, It's a lot of that never happened, I never said that kind of denial, like I don't know what you're talking about kind of thing. And then like later, the dude starts crying and there's like, okay, so background on me, I dated someone who like did stuff like this um and would say I don't know what you're talking about you're lying whatever and then when I stick to it like yes you did like that's ridiculous they would be crying similar to how Cole was saying I'm so sorry if I hurt you I didn't realize it I love you blah 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 and I'm just like I've seen this performance before you know like I've seen this already I know about guys like this and it sucks. It sucks. I, it, it's hard, right? Because again, we don't have the context. We only have our own lived experiences. And because of that, I, to my own surprise, to be honest, am siding more with Zenob. There was something called the cuties incident. If you don't know what a cutie is, It's like a little, it's a brand of mandarin oranges. And Zenob, during the reunion, tells a story of how she had two mandarin oranges. And Cole asks, are you going to eat both of those? Like, are you going to eat that kind of thing? And she's like, well, yeah, I've, I, like, it's a serving. Are you okay with that? And he's like, well, yeah, but, you know, the implication is there. While I'm watching the reunion with my husband, I'm like, you know what the editors should do? Because this is not a live show. They should show us the clip. Because this cuties thing is taking over the entire reunion. Like, show me what happened. So I think that it just took time to find it. Because they're not going to keep them there for hours as they sift through all the footage to find this, like, five minutes. But lucky for us, the producers did find the five-minute clip of the cuties incident. And for the most part, it went how Zenob said. The only thing that was different is that Cole was like, we're we're going to dinner later. And he makes this motion with his arms, like making a large oval. And he says it's going to be a big old sucker. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a reference (laughs) to how much food they're going to have 
or if it's a reference to what he thinks that her stomach will look like after eating. And I think that that information is important to know to make a judgment because, to be honest, if someone had that same conversation with me, I would also take it as though I'm not allowed to eat, as though you want me to be smaller, as though when I eat, I just look disgusting to you, okay? And in this context, you are saying that me being big is bad. Is that true? Is that what he actually meant? I don't know. But I do know from my own history that anything that someone would say to me when I was in a vulnerable state with my body image, I would take it exactly as Zenob did. I would take it like, I need to eat less, I need to make myself smaller. Any comment about how much or how little I ate, any comment about my body, any compliment would be seen as like backhanded even if it wasn't, you know? So I do understand from her perspective. I can also see from Cole's perspective how maybe he was just joking. Maybe he was just talking about the amount of food that they're going to have later. Hey, you should save your appetite. But I don't know. I don't know what's true. However, I will say this, okay? If Cole's comments affected Zenob in that way, it is her responsibility to tell him. It is not his responsibility to intuit how everything he says is affecting her. He can't be the one responsible for knowing your triggers, for knowing your trauma, for knowing your thoughts. That's not okay. And that's like generally not okay in any relationship. You cannot have a partner and expect them to know everything about you. We all want like that person that just gets us. But the fact is that Like, you do need to tell them. You need to communicate to them, hey, I really don't like when you make jokes about food. It makes me feel very insecure. I know you don't mean it that way, but that's what it makes me feel. Can you please stop making jokes about food? Can you please stop making comments about my body? Can you please stop making comments about my weight? It really upsets me. It is your responsibility to tell your partner that these things are hurting you. It is not their responsibility to guess. And odds are, if he's making a joke, if he's just making an idle comment that he doesn't think anything of, you being upset is not going to clue him into the fact that he's hurt you, that he's hurt your feelings. Because he doesn't, he's not making the correlation. He needs you to tell him in words what's bothering you. It's really, it's, it's not complicated, but I know it is hard because I have been there. I have been the person who is expecting my partner to know that I don't like when you make comments about how much I eat. I don't like when you make comments about my body or my weight or anything like that. Jokes like that are not funny to me. How is my partner supposed to know that unless I tell them? Because my partner also has had other partners and maybe their other partners thought those jokes were hilarious. So they don't know. They don't know my trauma. They don't know my triggers. They don't know anything about me in that way until I tell them. So all of this to say, I don't know what's actually true. I think that both things can actually simultaneously be true. Maybe Cole is innocent. 
in that, yes, he made the comments, but did not make them maliciously. Zenob's perception of the of the events is also true, right? How she felt is still a fact to her. But because of a lack of communication, this relationship was doomed from the start, right? If you can't fully and accurately and honestly communicate, your relationship is never going to work. And you do need to have kind of a conversation about what kind of communication you expect. As you can see, I'm kind of heated about this a little bit. And it's not often that my husband and I, after watching a show, we like pause the show, the credits, and we're like, okay, so what the heck was that? And then we talk about it for 30, 45 minutes. So I don't, again, I don't know what was true. I do think that the way that Zenob handled the situation was not great. I don't think roasting the man on the altar is appropriate. I don't think how her family, or sorry, her friends reacted was appropriate. It's just, it was just a lot. But it was genuinely the most entertaining season of Love is Blind yet. There have been people in past seasons that I have just not liked, but there was nothing quite like Zenob and Cole or Matt and Colleen or Nancy and Bartise. Like, we have had quite the journey as far as relationships goes. And I cannot wait for next season because I hope that they just keep like pumping these things out. Maybe they're overlapping. I don't know. I'm excited. I love these horrible things. They are like prime trash TV, which just truly feeds my soul. And on that note, that is about all we have time for this week. I hope you enjoyed my commentary on Love is Blind. If you've not watched season one and season two, I still think they're great. But personally, season three is where it's at. There was just a lot. There was a lot happening. Highly, highly recommend it. As always, I would appreciate if you rated, reviewed, subscribed, sent the show to your friends, anything you can think of to get the word out about the show, to grow our little introvert community. Anything is much, much appreciated. You can also follow the podcast Instagram at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod, and I will talk to you all next week. Okay, love you. Bye.